finally they'll come to the end. And I think this is where Agatha Christie is one of the best murder mystery writers, writers that I know, because the endings, just the, the, the revelations are always just mind-blowing. And there was something that the person who it turns out to be, or the people, I could just never see it coming. And she's managed to hide the truth under all these red herrings. You are listening to Changing Careers, a podcast about how MBA careers are changing and how MBAs change their careers. I am Conrad Chua. My guest today is Robert Holton. Robert teaches storytelling and recently did a session with the Cambridge MBA students. They learned how to use the principles of storytelling to communicate their career aspirations more powerfully. Robert himself is an accomplished storyteller and he has written several plays. I talked to Robert about why storytelling is important, what goes into a great story, and how you can improve a cover letter or an application. First, Robert talked about how he got started in the area of storytelling. I'm a narrative coach, which means I run workshops in storytelling skills for lots of different groups. And in terms of what made me end up in this kind of sector, doing this sort of work, it was a quite circuitous route. I studied psychology and philosophy for my bachelor's quite a few years ago. And I think my motivation was to read body language and solve murders. But neither of those things we studied in experimental psychology. Um, But it was really interesting trying to understand what makes people tick, how the mind works, especially from a philosophical and psychological aspect. Trying to kind of ask those deeper questions, but then also look at the practical way of exploring them psychologically. And then after that, I thought I'd change it up a bit. And I ended up working in the environmental sector with a very inspiring woman called Polly Higgins. So for a few years, that was really inspiring and like very kind of big, big, ambitious idea. And I guess my challenge in campaigning was to how to take a big idea like that and turn it into something that you could communicate to lots of different groups of people. And it was during, it was just before I did my master's that I did a week-long creative writing course with the Arvon Foundation. And they do these really fun weeks where you go off to a nice country house with a group of maybe 16 people and you do lots of creative writing and it's led by two novelists for example if it's a novel writing course and I remember it was that week that I was reminded how much I love writing I've always loved creative writing but I don't think I've taken it seriously for a long time and meeting all these other writers and meeting this novel and these novelists people whose job it is to write books I was like oh okay this is a, a possibility And that really brought me back to writing, including writing plays as well. So during my master's, I did a few student plays, which was really fun. Slowly over time, I just got to meet new people. And one of them was a man called Jeff Mead, who runs Narrative Leadership Associates. And he is, I guess, one of the people who first introduced me to this world of storytelling. And I did work experience with him a number of years ago. And that was when I suddenly discovered that in the heart of all of these kind of different aspects of my life, there is this sector which kind of ticks lots of those boxes in the sense of it's about creativity and interesting stories. It's also about practical application, like with campaigning, how do you apply storytelling and creativity to different kind of ends in communication, for example. And then also, you know, I think stories get us asking big philosophical and psychological questions about the world and about ourselves. If I look at MBAs, when MBAs come to me and ask, uh, you know, which sort of program should they consider? They always ask questions about, you know, will they learn about strategy or data analytics or uh, finance? They never say storytelling. So 
Why do you think storytelling is an important skill for uh, MBAs or people who are working in business? Well, I think first there's story, just story as itself, like the ability to craft a good story, which has a beginning, middle and end, has a plot, has a structure to it. Whilst that obviously is applicable to the creative arts, to theatre and novels and Pixar movies, I think what we can forget sometimes is even though we love kind of imbibing culture and watching TV series and going to the movies, we can forget that storytelling isn't something that just happens on screen or on stage, but it's just so common in our everyday lives. Like we communicate so much in stories, not necessarily kind of sit down and let me tell you a story type approach, but when we chat over coffee or with our friends, we are sharing stories about our lives and we're building narratives about what we do, what's important to us, what our beliefs are. So I think we kind of live in a world of story all the time. And, and I think we can easily forget that it's because it was just, maybe we're just used to it and we take it for granted. Actually, storytelling is a skill. And it's something that to an extent can be taught like in terms of the different elements of what makes a good story and, and the practice needed to develop your storytelling skills. And then I think it's from there that story can be used in so many different ways. And here's especially applicable for kind of MBA students in the sense of whether you need to inspire a lot of people at a talk, if you're giving kind of like a 10 minute talk to a, to a large audience, if you capture them with a story, if you take them somewhere where, let's say you're describing a product, you're not just telling them, oh, this is the product, but you're showing them a world in which they can see themselves using the product. So you're taking them on a kind of a journey, which is a, a form of story. And so they can see it for themselves and, and be there using that product, for example. But I think story also feeds into lots of different aspects of what makes for good business. And I think because we communicate with one another around stories and we share our experiences, underneath that is empathy and kind of building empathetic bonds with other people so we can understand what they want and need and communicate to them what we want and need and try and figure out somewhere in the middle of that how to make things work. So I think their storytelling feeds into building empathy and building relationships and, you know, relationships obviously being vital to pretty much everything we do because we've got to work with other people, whether we're trying to set up a new team, bring a new team together or, you know, pitch a new product or whatever it might be. Storytelling also feeds into listening. It's because whilst we tell our own stories, we also listen to other stories. And I think we did a bit of this at the workshop I did for the Cambridge MBA in terms of just creating that space to actually listen to other people's stories. I think we live in such a busy culture where we're doing stuff all the time. It can be hard to try and just carve out a moment of time where we can share with others things that are important to us. And, I, and that's a two-way. If it's two people, that's a two-way process. So it isn't just telling one's own story, but it's making space to listen well to other stories, which again feeds into empathy and building relationships. And then I think also because stories can be used to inspire, I think they have a big role to play in leadership, like how we tell stories about bringing people together, showing them potential futures where lots of different things are working differently. That's about inspiring people and I think stories help there. I'm not trying to pretend that story is going to solve all of our problems, but I do think it feeds into lots of different aspects of skills we need to be good, whether we are going to end up running a business or whether we're just engaging with other people in general. Yeah, you were talking about the elements of a story. So there's the beginning, the middle and the end. Is it really that simple? Just, is that, is that the, the mad secret sauce to every story? I uh, probably I think yes uh, um, in the sense of it is that simple but it's also really not that simple because actually 
well plotting or structuring well a story of beginning, middle and end, like that is, I think, quite a skill. And taking someone on that journey where at the beginning you're introducing all the different elements, the different characters and themes, and you're building the world that the story's happening in, and then going through into the middle, where, which is in general, from my experience, where the best bits of the story happen. The middle is the biggest part of the story because it's where more of the action's happening. And, you know, something's happened at the beginning that has propelled us into the world of story in the middle. And in, in fairy tales, in folk tales, the middle is often when a character goes literally into the woods. Like Little Red Riding Hood goes into the woods and that's when the drama starts happening. And even, you know, with Shakespeare as well, like A Midsummer Night's Dream, the most exciting drama of that and comedy to an extent happens when the characters go into the woods and so that's when they meet their different challenges and the plot starts to kind of unravel and we see what happens when these characters meet new other characters and meet their challenges etc and and then that builds up I suppose towards the ending of the story where all these different threads which we've been bringing together now slowly start to twine together and we see well how is this going to end you know what's how is this character going to change are they not going to change what will that mean for them Will there be that big battle or will it be an emotional drama? And then that's when all those kind of strands, all those threads are pulled together. And you, if it's done well, you get a nice tight knot at the end and you feel that the ending of the story has done justice to what's gone before. And so, yeah, I guess for me, yeah, story does mean, you know, story isn't just an account of stuff that's happened and it's not just a chronological list of things or events. It is that structured beginning, middle and end. It's that structured plotting that we get to kind of go on, that the audience gets to go on as a journey. I mean, nowadays with social media, with technology, it's just an explosion of people talking, telling stories, telling stories about themselves. And uh, even with AI now, you can, AI probably in a couple of years can write pretty decent stories. In this sort of context, is there any, what, what is the hope for someone to come up with an original story or to even tell their own career story in a compelling way? We often hear the same story in lots of different ways. I, uh, I'm a big fan, to an extent, of the Marvel comic universe. So that's Iron Man and Spider-Man and Thor, all these different heroes. And I think they're around. I haven't seen all of them at all. But there are, I think, over 20 movies that they've been working on over the last 11 years. And when you watch them, they're so often the structure, the plot, is almost identical. You know, you've got your hero... Maybe they're either banished from their home or they're not yet a hero and they've got to kind of develop this power or they suddenly have this power thrust upon them like Spider-Man gets bitten by a a kind of a spider with special powers. And then they go on their adventure where they have to develop their skills and then they realise there's a big baddie out to get them and then it all leads up to the big fight at the end. And so often these stories are, you know, they're not exactly the same, but they're pretty similar. Yet. They're so successful, and myself included, so many people go to the cinema to watch another Marvel action hero movie, even though we know pretty much exactly what's going to happen. But I think what makes that so interesting is that every time it's different, in the sense of it's a different hero in a different world, and the villains are different, and the, the, like, the, the subtleties of the relationships are different between the characters, and it's not, even though there's a similarity that, across all of them in terms of plot, there's a difference in terms of world. So I think in terms of what hope have we got in telling our own stories or someone who's running a business in the terms of the business of their story, well, what makes all of us unique is ourselves and the fact that our experiences are different, our insight into business is different, the way we see the world is different, and also creatively the way we talk or the way we communicate through words, whether it's written or spoken. 
you know, our voice, inverted commas, are unique. So it is interesting to hear someone else tell us about themselves because the way they'll tell it will be different and unique. The things they're doing will be different and the world they're navigating in the business they're running or the, the plans they've got for the future will be different. I have to read like all these application essays from people who want to join the MBA. So I, I think on average, I read about 500 uh, essays where they all talk about their career, their, what they want to do. And I love to be able to read one that's on the level of a Marvel story. <laughs> yes. um, unfortunately, most of the times, people, I think, tend to be played quite safe. And so they, they, they come up with, I guess it's rather bland, right? So a typical uh, sort of career story would be, I've worked in uh, for five years as an engineer in oil and gas. I really love solving problems. I want to go into consulting. I want the MBA to give me that kind of skills and knowledge. And then I can go to consulting, solve problems, uh, make the world a better place. If you heard that story, how, how do you suggest this person uh, use the elements of storytelling to think about improving that, that story? If you're going to structure an application, I remember a few years ago, I helped a friend apply to do a creative writing master. And I think the way we did her application together was and I think that was a whole page in terms of a covering letter and I think it's showing it's a journey so it's it's showing that a you have a passion for in this instance creative writing or if in your case it will be wanting to do an MBA so you've got a passion for this and that you can show that previously it doesn't mean you've always known you want to do an MBA or you wanted to end up becoming a writer but it means that you've been interested in business or storytelling whatever it might be and that this goes back to sometime in your life and I guess for me I would want to show that anecdotally so not just say oh I've always loved writing or I've always found business really fascinating but to show an example from your past of when that was the case like I found it really inspiring when I did a week's work experience when I was 20 for example or maybe something more recent something more relevant but again just enough of an anecdote so the person reading your application can see that you mean it when you say, I find this really interesting. Because saying just something, I find something really interesting, isn't really enough. Like, A, we're going to kind of take that for granted because that's why they're applying for this MBA or, or whatever it is. And, and then, but also to show that, that one is on the, you know, that you're on a journey. So it's not just like, oh, I know everything now and it's everything's, I've got everything. It's like you need to show to the person, to the person reading the application form that you and your career will benefit from doing this course. And so, you know, there's like a, you know, you're, you're still in the middle of your story in that sense. You know, you haven't reached the end yet in the sense of you're building up your career. And this MBA will be a vital tool in helping bring different elements of your current career together and then supercharge you for the next step in your career. So, again, showing its progression, showing where the MBA fits in. And I think also being specific because, you know, I imagine there are lots of different MBA courses. If I was an assessor for Cambridge, I'd want to, for the Judge Business School, I'd want to know why they're applying to this particular MBA, what makes this MBA special to them in a way that just makes me realize, oh, okay, they do actually care about this. And then they come here, you know, they'll get, it'll be useful for their career, but also there are specific things here that they're interested in studying particularly, or there are people they want to work with, whatever it might be. There's an extent to which an application is, has a very practical aim and it's not just about good storytelling. It is also showing your credentials. You know, maybe it's a brief list of different things you've achieved and you don't have to zoom into every moment of an achievement. 
Um, and that's, I think, another side of showing that, yes, you've also got the skills for this and also your skills can be developed by the, by the MBA, you know, just to help, I guess, to guide the assessor through this process. So it's easier for the assessor to then be like, oh, okay, wow, they do really care. And, oh, they've got good skills. And, oh, I'm really getting a sense that there's a person behind this application, especially if it's a covering letter, for example, and it's your one chance. It's more than just a CV. It's your chance to bring something to life and to humanize yourself. I think one difficulty that people have is um, this difficulty about writing about themselves and opening up about, say, some of the tensions past life let's say you know our, our life up till this point and as you said that's one of the elements of a marvel story what kind of advice do you give people or how do you what, what do you do when you have to write something that's quite personal of the life that didn't go well and hence this part of this story is about trying to resolve that everyone struggles we all have difficult experiences like full stop is part of the human experience and i think what can often happen in society is that especially I think with the rise of social media or maybe social media just exacerbates it, but it's trying to pretend everything's fine or you're doing really well. So you've got all these beautiful pictures on Facebook and Instagram and you know, your life's great and look at my CV. It's this wonderful list of achievements I've made. But behind that, we all know there's stress and there's anguish and there's disappointment. And so I think a first big step in being able to talk about those things is being able to come to terms with them for oneself and knowing that A, a failing in the past doesn't define one and doesn't, make one worse and I think also there's a sense I can't off the top of my head remember who necessarily but it could be Brene Brown who writes a lot about self-help even the way we narrate our past experiences and the way we understand them has a big effect on how we'll behave in the future so whether something in the past is a failure or actually maybe it was more an opportunity for learning not to say it didn't go wrong but to say well oh, I just failed and that was it or okay I didn't do what I wanted to do but from this I've learned there are things I can learn so I think that's that relationship to that inverted commas failing is slightly different there in those two instances one it's kind of this awful thing that happened and another one no it's something that happened from which I can learn and life goes on so in that sense I think the second instance where you're coming to terms with things that haven't gone well helps you own your story a bit better which hopefully would make you more confident and be able to talk about those things I guess my gut feeling in applications is I don't necessarily talk about stuff that has gone wrong because I'm trying to show that I'm doing this sort of work and I'm passionate about it. I think for me, you know, at the moment, because I'm applying to put, to build up this play that I've written and I want to bring a team together and I want to put it, I want to stage it. You know, when I'm applying to different theatres, I guess I'm trying to tell them why I care so much about this play and what it means to me. And so that is personal. It's not necessarily going too deep into my own personal life, but it's showing that I'm trying to show that I really care about it. But I think, you know, there's an instance in which someone wants to see that you've learned from difficult experiences, then yeah, you can show that. And again, like it's like crafting one of those kind of story anecdote type moments where you describe what happened and then you also make clear what you learned from it and what skills you learned through it, like a time when a team wasn't working well together and you had to step up and take a, take a role of leadership on to try and get the team to achieve something. And maybe they didn't and maybe the team disbanded, but you know, we can all learn things from that when things don't go well. You've written murder stories. I've written murder stories, yeah. What, are the, uh, what goes into a good murder story? Oh, great question. So one of my favourite writers is Agatha Christie, who I think she's probably written over 100 kind of crime fiction novels and short stories. And what I love about Agatha Christie is that even though the, 
her actual writing style is quite basic. I think they say from the age of 12 onwards, you could read an Agatha Christie without too much difficulty in terms of her style of prose and her levels of detail and the language that she uses. And certainly the word said comes up a lot in Agatha Christie novels. But what I think is so genius is the way she structures the plot. And, you know, the way she introduces all the elements, so there's the murder, we've got the detective who's going to solve the murder, and then we've got this group of suspects who's done the murder. And then gradually as the story unfolds, the detective will be investigating all the different leads, the different strands. And it will seem really confusing because you've got about 10 people on a boat, for example, who all wanted to kill this person because they were really horrible, or there was loads of money that they could inherit. So you're when I read Agatha Christie, I'm overwhelmed by all these red herrings, effectively, these kind of things which won't actually turn out, these people who won't really turn out to be the murderers, but I'm just stuck in this world of like, oh my gosh, this person did it, and then Agatha Christie will reveal a new clue, and it's suddenly like, well, someone else did it. And then you finally get to the end, and there's the denouement, when the detective gathers them all in the drawing room, or if it's on a boat, I don't know, on, on deck, and um, they're all there, and the, you know, if it's Hercule Poirot or Miss Marple, they go through all the different suspects ticking off well you could have done it but in this case you didn't and then finally they'll come to the end and I think this is where Agatha Christie is one of the best murder mystery writers writers that I know because the endings just the 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 revelations are always just mind-blowing and there was something that the person who it turns out to be or the people I could just never see it coming and she's managed to hide the truth under all these red herrings and maybe at one point the, the murderer was ostensibly, you know, in a totally different room and everyone saw them in this other room. So it would have been impossible for them to do the murder. And then she reveals how actually there was a way around that and they snuck off somewhere or someone else was lying, whatever it might be. So you'd made this assumption, which meant, oh, it can't be that person. And then suddenly at the end, this assumption has exploded and you're like, oh my gosh, it was that person after all. And the way she does that, the increasingly dramatic way she does that. And then what I like about A Good Agatha Christie and why I'll read it more than once or watch TV movies like multiple times is because when you go back and you watch it and you know who's the murderer and partly you might think oh but that's boring there's no surprise but what you what I can then do is I can watch how those pieces are put in place and how this plot is structured and how we are being deceived and you can kind of see the artifice or the manipulation going on into building the story and even if you know you just want to tell a good MBA story or tell a story about a business I, you know, I do suggest reading Agatha Christie because her plotting is so good that I think she really is like a lesson in how to plot a good story. Obviously, hers is about a murder, but it could be anything. Because if you, put, if you know how to manipulate the pieces of a story well, you can then build up a good narrative. I'll definitely recommend that to faculty who write teaching cases because that, that we use that a lot in business schools to uh, illustrate certain things. And obviously, a good case has to read almost like a good murder story so stories are in a sense lots of stories are a bit like a detective story not because there's been a murder necessarily but because we're putting the pieces together and we don't know what's going to happen next and then it gets revealed and then we move on to that real simple structuring of cause and effect and not knowing you know that anticipation that gets us what happens next it's just concentrated in a murder mystery but applicable to all stories i think robert as we wrap up um how do people find out more about or learn about your work so my work they can go to robertholton.co.uk and i've got a website there so that you can see the different people i've worked with and i guess my work involves what i did with the cambridge mba which is a workshop to a large group of people on the fundamentals of a good story and having a go building up your own story and practicing i then also do one-to-one coaching more intensive 
helping someone potentially, I don't know, build a story for a talk or, um, or build a repertoire of different stories that they could use in different events. And then also robertholtonwriter.wordpress.com has a bit of my creative writing, but the main, the main kind of output of my creative writing tends to be short stories and plays at the moment. I am working on a novel, but that's not going to come out anytime soon. Um, so hopefully I'll have a play on soon and I'll tweet about it. That was my conversation with Robin Holtham, recorded in his home in North London. Now, unless you're a detective or a crime scene investigator, I would not suggest you jazz up your career application or cover letter to read like an Agatha Christie story. But you also have to put yourself in the shoes of a recruiter or an admissions person who has to read hundreds of cover letters or applications. You'll be surprised how bland many of these essays are and anything you can do to tell your own story in a more effective way will help you to stand out. You can listen to this show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, subscribe if you've not done so already. And if you've already subscribed, thank you so much. Just remember, favor, share this with someone you know who would benefit from this thing. You could also leave a rating and review. It helps others discover the show. You can t- let me know how you think about the show by tweeting me at Conrad Chua 16 Till next time, this is Conrad Chua on Changing Careers.